0: You take God's precious Word and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 7 through 8 tonight. Proverbs, chapter 3. It's good to see some people online tonight that uh, uh, are out of town and faithfully watching, even though they're out of town. I'm very, very glad to see that. The title of the message tonight is, Wisdom We Don't Need... Wisdom we don't need. <laughs> that sounds like something kind of uh, contra, uh, contradicting what we've been teaching all along. But last Wednesday we learned that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And lean not into our own understanding. And Solomon told us that we're to acknowledge God in every path that we take. Not seeking God to approve we want to decide to prove our decisions, but seeking God's perfect will for our lives. He said, if we do this, then we're promised that God will direct the paths that we take. Oh, what a wonderful promise that is. Now, the next two verses tonight, Solomon continues that same train of thought in verse 7, telling us, look here now, be not wise. Be not wise. So we're going to pause here a little bit and we're going to ponder how this sentence begins. Solomon said, be not wise. And for the past two chapters, Solomon's been telling us over and over again that wisdom is the greatest thing a person can have. And being wise is the greatest thing a person can be. The Proverbs, he said, were written for the very purpose of, Of making us wise. Yet here tonight. Solomon begins verse 7. By telling us. Be not wise. So the Bible tells us to be wise. And then it tells us. To be not wise. And there's no contradiction here. The reason is. Is because there is some wisdom. That's good for us. And there's some wisdom. That's bad for us. God wants us. To have the wisdom that's good for us. God doesn't want us to have the wisdom that's bad for us. That's why Solomon begins this verse. Be not wise. Now the Hebrew word for wisdom has the idea of being skillful, artful, or cunning. Kind of the same thing, isn't it? And I think we could all agree tonight that while we certainly need skillful, art, artful, and cunning Christians serving in the kingdom of God, I thank God for the people working the, the sound tonight. They're skillful. They're artful. They're cunning. I thank God for the teachers we have. I thank God for the the the, the apologists and the, the people we have out sharing the gospel around the world in the kingdom of God and standing up. I thank God for the answers in Genesis. I thank God for the scientists who are believers who stand up and proclaim the name of God, defend the truth of God's word. The kingdom of God needs wise people, skillful, artful, cunning in the things of God. We, I'm sure, can also see how the devil, in an evil sense, is also skillful, artful, and cunning, isn't he? And so these words can be used in both a good and an evil sense. In the same way, wisdom can be used in both a good and an evil sense. People can gain wisdom in an evil sense because of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now listen to what the Bible says about that forbidden tree in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. If you're taking notes, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It's kind of neat to take Genesis and smash it up alongside Proverbs and the light comes on. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, y'all may know where we're going now, and a tree to be desired. Can anyone say it with me? To make one wise. <laughs> she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree that made Adam and Eve wise. Eve saw that it was a tree to be desired in her mind to make a person wise. It was uh, a tree that made Adam and Eve skillful, artful, and cunning. It did. It made their children skillful in the art of evil things. It made them cunning in all the evil inventions that they imagine in their wicked hearts. There are criminals out there who Brother Shepherd deals with all the time and I've dealt with a lot as well, who spend their time inventing ways to defraud you hard-working people out of your money. A lot of them you talk to on a daily basis, don't you? If you're dumb enough to answer the phone that you don't recognize, right? And sometimes you think, well, maybe this one's for real because you want it to be for real so bad. And you answer, and you know as soon as you answer, here we go again, Another car warranty or another burglar alarm or whatever it is that y'all get or or someone's going to come arrest you and you need to give them some money. And so they're skillful and they're artful and they're cunning in a way to defraud you out of your money. On the other hand, there are wise men, there are businessmen out there who invent ways to improve your lives. And, and to earn your money righteously by providing you a good product or a good service. So both are wise. The people scamming you and the people serving you. They're both wise. It's just that one is wise and that which is evil. And the other is wise and that which is good. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil had wisdom to offer. Eve knew that it was a tree that would make her wise. But do you know what God was essentially saying when he told her not to eat of that tree? And when he told Adam not to eat of that tree? He was telling them, "Uh, uh, uh, be not wise in your own eyes. That's what he was telling. Be not wise. Yes, it will make you wise. But be not wise in your own eyes. He was letting Eve know, this is not the wisdom you need. It will make you skillful Artful and cunning in a bad way. And so we learn a truth tonight. And it is this. There is a wisdom that will make you good at doing bad. There is a wisdom that will make you good at doing bad. This is what Solomon is warning us about tonight. He's saying, be wise, yes but be not wise, look back in your text, in thine own eyes. In Eve's eyes, she thought that all the wisdom that glittered was gold. She saw the tree as one that she should desire. God had told her differently. God had told her, you don't want this. (laughs) This is going to harm you this is going to be bad for you but she didn't look at the tree through the eyes of God's word God's word had been given to her but when she looked at that tree she voluntarily set God's word aside what he had already told her and she looked at that tree with her own eyes with her own thinking independent of God's she looked at the tree through her own eyes and in so doing she became good at doing evil. Solomon said, Don't let this happen to you. There are all kinds of choices that we're going to make in life, all kinds of choices. We're going to face them every day. Sometimes they're going to be very difficult choices. Sometimes they're going to be choices like that tree that glitter like gold, and they're going to be very tempting. And like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the temptations we face will often appear to be wise choices. You can, can you think how Eve would rationalize in her mind? Well, this will give me wisdom. This will be good for me. And so we look at things. We look at things sometimes. I was—I can't help, but there's uh, something that just popped in my mind from someone that uh, uh, I was talking to one day and There was this person that had committed a a, a terrible sin. A terrible sin. And when confronted with that sin, they said, oh, yes. But look at all the opportunities it offered me. Look at all the opportunities it offered me. And so when we look at what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has to offer. We rationalize. Our wisdom away. We rationalize with our own eyes the wisdom of God away. Only wisdom that's gained through obedience to God's word is wisdom that's worth having. All other wisdom, Brother Shepherd, is a wild gourd in the pot. That's all it is. Well, if y'all missed last week's Sunday school, y'all missed a good one. Do you know why Eve was deceived by the devil? It's because she didn't look back in your text. She didn't fear the Lord. You see that? She didn't fear the Lord. Remember the word fear means revere. It means revere. Eve didn't revere the Lord. She didn't see God as the all-knowing, all-wise, all-good, all-loving, holy, infallible God that He was. She didn't see Him as her Creator. Her Lord. And thus her rightful ruler, whose word is always true. If she did, she would have never taken the serpent's word over God's word. Never would have. It was all her perspective of God, her lack of reverence for God, that allowed her to view the tree with her own eyes apart from God's. You have to know God how he is. You have to revere God for who the Bible says He is and the attributes the Bible gives to Him. And if you don't revere God for how He is, that's when you're going to stumble. If Eve would have done it, she never would have trusted the judgment of her own eyes over God's. Think about it. How can a creature... Eve was the creature, God was the Creator. How can the creature... Be wiser than the Creator. Just think about that in, in a minute. Where did Eve get her intelligence from? From the Creator. I mean, the, she was created. She was nothing until God made her into a woman. Adam was dirt in the ground until God made him into a man. Everything we have has been given to us by God. Everything. And one cannot give what one does not have. I can't give you something I don't have. So can we think that God somehow gave us more knowledge than He actually had to give? Is it so that God's knowledge is limited But somehow he had extra knowledge that he wasn't privy to, that he wasn't able to use. And when he created us, he dumped that extra knowledge on us and made us smarter than him. No way. Absolutely no way. All things come from God. All things. How then can I be given wisdom that God doesn't have? How can I be given power that God doesn't have? How can I be given anything that God doesn't have? I can't. So if I can't be given anything God doesn't have, then I don't have anything more than what God has given me and what God has to give. It's not possible. So instead of being wise in my own eyes, I should fear the Lord. I should revere Him. Look back in your text. Fear him and depart from evil. Which means to turn yourself away and remove yourself from evil. Now we need to understand tonight that evil is not just something a person does. Not biblically. Evil is also something a person experiences. Okay? If you uh, are taking notes, write down in your notes the book of Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2. Listen to how Job spoke to his wife. Job chapter 2 verse 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He didn't say, talk about doing evil or doing good. He was talking about receiving evil and receiving good. When Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree, they did evil. When Adam and Eve felt fear... When Adam and Eve's son was murdered. When Adam and Eve grew old and got sick and died. They experienced evil. Job did know evil. But Job did experience evil. So rather than being wise in their own eyes. Had Adam and Eve revered the Lord. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's the combination here. Fear the Lord, revere him for who he is. Fear and depart. Fear God, depart from evil. One equals the other. If you do one, you depart from the other. Does that make sense? Had Adam and Eve, rather than being wise in their own eyes, had they revered the Lord, they would have departed from all the evil That they experienced. They would have never experienced fear. They would have never experienced shame. They would have never experienced family drama. They would have never experienced the loss of a son. And they would have never grown old and died. Solomon said, Fear the Lord. Revere him as your God and your wise counselor. And by doing so, you will depart from evil. And and verse 8, it shall be health to thy navel. Well, if there's anything I want, it's a healthy navel. Amen. It shall be health to thy navel. Hebrew word translated health here has the idea of healing. Healing. You know, spiritually speaking there are a lot of things people need to be healed from today a lot of things i bet if i could talk to each of you privately or i bet if i if you could just raise your hand i bet somebody i bet everybody most everybody maybe some of the young people maybe not yet but most everybody here would be able to say i'm hurt i'm hurt deeply And I may never heal this side of heaven. There's a lot of things that people need to be healed from today. The word translated healthier, it comes from a root word. That means to mend something by stitching it back together. You got something torn. Man, if there's anything I loved to tear when I was a kid, it was my my knees and my blue jeans. It was a badge of honor. When you walked home from school with a big old hole in your blue jeans, and my grandmother or my mom or probably usually my grandmother, they'd if there wasn't an iron-on patch, they would sew it or something, sew it back up, mend it by stitching it back together. That's what this word health comes from here, and it's our departure from God's word that rips families apart. It's our departure from God's Word that rips our hearts apart. It, and it's our return to God's Word that stitches them back together again and makes them whole. When Jesus comes back, Jesus is the Word of God. When Jesus comes back to this earth, the Gospel is going to finally, ultimately, and eternally stitch the earth back to God's word again. And will be made whole. The navel is the place where an infant receives everything it needs for nourishment. Everything it needs to live and to grow comes from that navel. A good mother is always careful to make sure she doesn't eat anything or drink anything that would harm her child. They take vitamins, they eat healthy And they would never consume drugs or alcohol while they're carrying that little baby. Because that's the only source of nourishment for that child. And that's the navel that sends the mother's life down to that baby. You know, God's Word is our spiritual navel. It is. It's a navel from heaven that winds down here and attaches to our hearts from God. It's the one source that God has ordained for us to receive wisdom from. All things pertaining to life and godliness as the scripture puts it. God's word is our navel. Have you ever thought about that? It's what connects us to God. It's connected by faith because we believe it and believing it attaches to her heart. And through that, God's life, God's wisdom, His Word flows down to us. And God would never, ever give us something that would hurt us. So we should revere Him. And by doing so, that will cause us to depart from the evil, from experiencing that evil. And as we take heed to God's Word, it will bring A healing, nurturing effect to us in our houses. God's word will never give you something that's bad for you. It will never lead you into temptation. But it will deliver you from evil. It will be health to your navel. Look back in the text. And marrow to thy bones. Marrow is the core of your body's health. It is the very core of your body's health. The Bible says the life of our flesh is in the blood, right? And bone marrow is the primary manufacturer of human blood cells. In fact, marrow produces 500 billion blood cells every day. Wow. Wow. Without marrow, you'd die. The fear of the Lord is like a navel. It gives us the healing nourishment we need. The fear of the Lord is like marrow. It supplies us with the sustaining life we need. Sin is the only cause of death. But also not only ultimate death physically or spiritually but sends also the cause of all premature death. Sends the cause of our failure to enjoy life in its foolish measure, which is death by measure, death by increments. Worldly wisdom brings evil into our lives. And that worldly wisdom, as Eve come to know, it dries up the marrow of our spiritual bones. It dries up the marrow of our fleshly bones as well. Not revering God brings evil and evil brings damage. But not only that, when I'm thinking about it drying up the marrow of our bones, evil brings stress and sorrow into our lives and that stress and sorrow brings death. You know, stress will kill you. If you've ever dealt with stress on a high level, it's, it's death by measure. And you better get away from it. Stress and sorrow dry us up on the inside. It they cause us to shrivel up and die a little at a time. But the joy of God, which comes by walking in the wisdom of His Spirit, it's like a healing medicine. This is why we're not to dwell on evil. What but whatsoever things are good and lovely, right, and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, we're to think on these things. We're to dwell and walk in the wisdom of God. Man, we're surrounded by evil in this world. Sometimes I have people want to talk to me about stuff in the news. You know what I do? I just don't even want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I'm not some ostrich that puts my head in the sand. Nah, not even close. But you know what? If all you do is dwell on that stuff, it's going to dry the marrow of your bones up. God did not design us to meditate on that junk all the time. That's not our navel. And so we're to fear the Lord, we're to revere Him, we're to depart from evil, not just in in, in our our feet and our hands and our actions, but also in our mind and in our hearts. We need that healing medicine. Our reverence for God's Word will begin stitching us up day by day from the inside out if we'll do that. Cheering our hearts, healing our bodies, our souls, and our spirits as we walk in the will of God. So do not be wise in your own eyes, Solomon says. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. And with that, we'll close tonight. And Lord willing, we'll take back up. Yes, sir. No, sir. No, sir. There's no no wild gourds in that pot. Thank God for that. No death in the pot. You know what? That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. It was death in the pot. It was de- the first death in the pot. Man, that was a good text. We'll pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for giving us the healing balm, the health of our navel. Oh, God, how many times, Lord, in this life have we left the Staying our minds on Your Word and, and, and becoming engrossed in fear and engrossed in turmoil and engrossed in the, the the wickedness and the, the tumult of this world. And we suffer gut trouble right on the backside of that navel. But oh Lord, what an escape. What a refuge. Solace and healing balm. Oh, how you stitch our hearts back together again. One stitch at a time. As we take into that navel, into our bellies, your precious word. And stay upon the love and hope of our God. Lord, I pray, Father, we'll walk in that. We'll seek not to be wise in our own eyes. Will seek not anything but the wisdom that comes from the meditation and obedience to your word. God, I pray, will always abound in it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.